Thank you, Sarah. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So we've now had three talks uh, on this verse. Two on that first section, come follow me, abiding in him. That is surrendering all and intentionally following him above all else and allowing him to prune us, to remove those bad habits as he makes us more Christ-like. And then one from Tara last week about being transformed. Being transformed out of spending our time abiding with Jesus. That's the section in the ESV translation that reads, and I will make. And this week I'm continuing on, on this little section, Tara's talk, as we think a little more about how we are transformed by God as disciples as his followers, as we abide in him. But first, a recap of some of what Tara shared last week, as we'll, build, as we'll be building on this uh, this morning. So firstly, as you spend time with someone, you are transformed into being more like them. And this is a process only possible with collaboration, from you with God. You could resist it, but you need to get on board with him. This is known as the process of spiritual formation. Every person is being transformed whether they know it or not, and everything you do is transforming you. And we can either be transformed into being more like Jesus, or we can be malformed away from that and into death. The second point, transformation, spiritual formation, becoming more like Christ takes time and it's a day-by-day process. It's a continual process. It doesn't just happen. You start the download and it just keeps on coming. You need to keep choosing to follow Christ. And then what does this transformation look like? This transformation looks like reprioritizing our lives to be in line with his priorities. God bringing out the best in us and developing us into well-formed maturity. And this means not fitting into our culture without even thinking. Thinking about where we spend our money, who do we meet, what do we have to let go of? What do we embrace in the face of culture? And as we do this inner transformation, spills over into outward action. And we'll be open-handed. As we say, all we are and have and ever hope to be, all ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender into your hands. I surrender all. So as we do this, as we allow our inner transformation to spill over into outward action, what will it look like in our lives? So I was going to give this illustration uh, practically and bring everything along, but I decided it would be a bit messy, uh, seeing as we're in Harrier Watts. You're just going to need to picture uh, picture this. Imagine that I have a bowl here, and this bowl is the sum total of my life, and I want to add lots of good things to it. 
And if I was to take the lead, what would I add to this bowl? Well, it might not be healthy for me, but I really like hot chocolate. So I'd probably add a bit of hot chocolate into this bowl. I also uh, rather like Haribo, as you've probably picked up from many of my sermon illustrations. Uh, so I rather like Haribo, so I add that. Also like Aid, so I add that. But then another way, I think, I actually quite like cheese. So I'm going to add a bit of cheese in there, and mustard, and sugar, and I love custard. So I'd add all these things, things that aren't big picture things, but things that I just love in the moment, into my life. And it's so good. There are so many things I love I could add in. But these are all my choices without seeing the big picture. And as I add them in, if I had been doing this illustration practically, it would have looked like a horrible, gloopy mess. Good for nothing, and certainly not something I would ever uh, serve to friends and family. In fact, it would probably look like something that I would have put together as a child when I was let loose on the kitchen. But what about when I follow someone who knows what they're doing, someone who has the big picture? What if I obey their instructions? So let's rewind. I've got a brand new bowl that represents my life. My life when I follow the instructions, as it were, the recipe. I allow a chef's wisdom to lead me. I look and I add in some flour, some salt, some yeast, some olive oil, some water. I need it. And then we end up with dough. Good, healthy dough. Something that with a bit of time and heat as I continue to follow the instructions will be good not just for me, but for those around me too. As I follow this guidance and allow it to influence me, as I spend time in the recipe and allow it to dictate what I allow into the bowl of my life, transformation takes place inside. And it then comes out in a way that allows others to taste and see that the author was right and good. As I abide in Christ, I say, I want you to be the one who fills my bowl. I want to follow your recipe. I want to take your ingredients. So, for example, if I abide in Christ, follow his recipe for life, eat with him, take on board his instructions day by day, week by week, I'm saying take everything and do with it, with it what you will. I follow his lead and allow him and all he brings into my life through his grace and his spirit to take the lead. As we obey him, we say, I want your input. I want you to add to my life. I want you to speak into me. I want you to give me all that I need. I know that your recipe is best. It's the only way forward. And that way, something good, wholesome, that blesses both us and those around us, comes out. So if you have your Bibles with you, do turn to Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. In these verses it reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And as a disciple of Jesus, as we follow Jesus... As we let Jesus take the lead and allow him and him alone to dwell within us, we produce fruit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if we follow our own way, the way of the world, we have things in excess of what we need, we love the wrong things, we love the healthy things, we don't look at the big picture, we just live moment to moment. The things that taste so good in the moment, we realize as we put them all together, aren't actually any good for us at all. In other words, if you look to the verse before Galatians 5.22-23 to Galatians 5.21, we risk ending up with some of these things. Essentially, immoral living, idolatry, anger, selfishness, and much more as you look at that verse. Now, to be clear, what I'm not saying is people who aren't followers of Jesus are all totally immoral, hateful, selfish, drunk all the time and the like. Or that they can't do things that are thoughtful and caring, like similarly we are called to do as Christians. I'm not saying that. But you only need to look at the world to see some of the things in this list of Galatians 5.21 becoming increasingly promoted to us, even as good things. Sex is used to sell. Hedonism is seen to be a good thing as we just indulge our needs. All sorts of spirituality uh, will be found in mainstream magazines and newspapers. Selfish ambition, we're all told to do what's right for us, regardless of anyone else around us. We need to put ourselves first. Drunkenness, it's okay to get drunk every once in a while. But then there's impurity, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, anger, envy. These are all things that can impact on uh, even someone with the greatest of intentions. There are numerous examples of good virtuous people who've done so much good in the world, but being caught and cancelled because they did something inconsistent with what they appeared to be. The thing to be clear on is as the Spirit works inside us as Christians to transform us, he's transforming us away from these things, away from reliance on the flesh, on our own choices to put ourselves first and confirmation to this world. And he calls us and grows us into a higher standard, a standard of increased fruitfulness, increased love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is a daily thing, a daily decision to surrender to God, to give God everything. And in turn, as we do that, He increases us the fruit of the Spirit and moves us away from the things of the flesh. We change our heart posture as we give our hearts to God. We have the fruit of the Spirit grow out of his love and his presence with us. And it's this fruit that will continue to grow in our life and that shows the love of God and neighbor. If someone shows love... Uh, or has patience, who doesn't follow Jesus, and I'm sure we know, all will know people who, who don't follow Jesus, who are loving people, uh, who, or who are very, very patient, maybe even more patient than we are, and that's great. But as they do this, if they're not following Jesus, it's never going to be done in response to Jesus' love, in recognition that it is from him every good and perfect gift comes. And therefore, at its core... It doesn't recognize that the motivator for such good is God. It hasn't grown out of this living water that doesn't run dry, and it doesn't acknowledge it. It's kind of like stumbling upon that perfect recipe uh, you have, 
and you claim it as your own and not the original chef's. But not just stumbling across that perfect recipe, but you also stumble across the exact ingredients made by the chef for this recipe, and you put it all together, and then you claim the result as your own. Even if the result is good and tastes good, credit is not given where credit is due, as you claim it as your own. James 1 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of light, with whom there's no variation or shadow of change. And broadening this out to the concept of goodness, Anselm of Canterbury said of God, there is a certain nature or substance or essence who through himself is good and great, and through himself is what he is, through whom exists whatever truly is good or great or anything at all and who is the supreme good, the supreme great thing, the supreme being or subsistence, that is, supreme among all existing things. God is the one through whom anything good exists. And if we don't give him the credit, the glory, that's bad. And it's only going to grow, continue to be fruitful, if God is involved Otherwise, we're just stumbling around. Sometimes we might get something right, sometimes not. We may wish to be doing good without God, but as Paul says in Romans 7, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Like, if Gordon Ramsay made me a meal, sourced all the ingredients for me, and gave it to me to eat, that would be amazing. But if someone found his recipe, used some of the ingredients he provided, and claimed the results as their own, it would still probably look impressive, maybe not perfect, but it would look impressive, but something would still be missing. Gordon Ramsay would have been wrongly written out the picture, and the meal would ultimately be just a semi-good knockoff, not the real deal. And it would actually be worth significantly less. People would pay significantly less for it. The person who found the recipe and the ingredients would also not have the ability to transform anything else into anything else. It would be an isolated good deed, good, good cook, with no real power for continuing change behind it. The power for continuing change of of, uh, ingredients into uh, transformed meals, the development of recipes, the transformation of these raw ingredients into something more, needs Gordon Ramsay. So this fruit, it only grows as it should in abundance across our life in ever-increasing quantity and quality if God's involved. If we abide in Jesus and he in us, that's the only way. As we're transformed, old habits go and new habits form. As the Spirit nurtures us, the Father prunes us to bear more and more fruit in our life. And this is the only way we can build our lives on a sure and firm foundation. Building our house on the rock, not the sand, is in hearing Jesus' word, allowing him into our life, 
and putting all he teaches us into practice, allowing him to transform us. Now, if you were advertising for a flatmate, or if you were choosing a friend, someone to look after your child maybe, or if you were looking for a role model for someone you love, I wonder what sort of person you'd choose. Someone who's being intentional about growing in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or someone who's not being intentional about these things and therefore is prone to stumbling into impurity, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, anger, envy, and more. Well, I know who I'd choose. I think it's a relatively simple choice. Uh, But one sort uh, would negatively impact on me and those around me, and one positively. One would be a blessing, the other would feel more like a curse. Now, people might sometimes be tempted by their lusts. Uh, Even as Christians, we can be tempted. We can wish to indulge our hatred for someone. We can be selfish We can put ourselves above all others. We can do things that we know aren't pure. We can be tempted and we can fall. But would would anyone really want this to be what defines them? If you were to say, oh, this is good. I like the Haribo. I love Haribo. But if you were to all go out and someone was to ask you, what what was Isaac speaking about today? And you said, well, he absolutely loves Haribo. (laughs) That wouldn't be really the point. And it wouldn't really be what I wanted you to go away with. But now that is what you're all going to go away with. <laughs> uh, we're tempted, we all fall. But actually, would we want to be defined by that? Or would we want a someone we're close to to be defined by these things that fall short? Would we really want to be defined by them? We might fall into them sometimes, but we don't want to be defined by them, even though we know we fail and we can be tempted. People who love others are attractive. People who are joyful are attractive. People want what you've got. The same with peace. Patience is increasingly needed in this world where we can get everything delivered by tomorrow, if not by one o'clock this afternoon. Kindness, well, that's definitely needed. And everyone appreciates a kind, encouraging word or action, a random act of kindness. As a child, I remember being sent to the shops uh, to buy some milk. Uh, I got to the shop, I picked up the milk, I went to the counter, the server scanned it, told me how much it was, and I went to pay with the money that I had left at home. And I was annoyed, I was embarrassed, but then this lovely person in the queue behind me told me not to worry and that they'd get it for me. And the kindness was so appreciated, it made a difference to me. It's attractional too, it's beautiful. I can't remember what on earth this person looked like, uh, who, who they were who did this for me, but I do remember the kindness that they showed me. Goodness. Well, it's good to be good, isn't it? Not just good at sport or something, but to be a good person. It isn't what saves you or gets you into heaven, as some people might say, because we can't live up to being perfectly good. But if you're a good person, if you show goodness, people respect it. Faithfulness. Being true to our words, to both God and those around us, is so important. It's so important that we're faithful to God, faithful to our word, that our yes mean yes and our no mean no. There was a time at uni, uh, I was ashamed to say, when I was due to meet up with some friends over the holiday. I said I'd come, but then I never showed up. I don't really know why, but my friends were rightly annoyed at me. 
And ultimately, I was annoyed at myself too, because faithfulness, being true to your word, what you say, true to your friends, faithful to your friends, is so important. Gentleness. Maybe gentleness is uh, a little bit more counterculture than some of the other things, because people say it's good to be strong, it's good to be a strong man, good to be a strong woman. But I think it's possible to be both, to be strong and gentle. People like a gentle giant, don't they? And self-control. I think self-control is well-respected. As we've gone through the fruit of the Spirit, we can see the fruit of the Spirit is attractive, as ultimately the fruit of the Spirit makes us more like Jesus. Now, it might offend some people. It might make people angry that they can no longer put themselves first. But at our core, do we not think all of us would prefer a friend or to be a friend that was these things than wasn't? Alistair Begg, speaking on this topic, says, If it were a crime to be a congregation where the love of God is so manifest among us that these barriers and boundaries and divisions of culture are eradicated, if it were a crime, I found myself saying, I wonder if there's enough evidence for us to be convicted. I mean, would they come in, investigate and say, yes, this place is going to have to be punished because they're dismantling the very structures of culture as we know them. Now, that's fairly easy to do because it's in generic in corporate terms, but of course, congregations are made up of individuals. And so the circle got tighter around me in my thinking because it's impossible to ask the question generically without facing it personally, privately. And so one is confronted by this question. Am I, in every way, making the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ attractive? Or, as it is paraphrased by Kenneth Taylor in the Living Bible, the question is, does my character make people want to believe the gospel? Does my character make people want to believe the gospel? Now, there was a retired minister at my last church. He's a wonderful, humble, uh, and godly man. Someone I really looked up to spiritually. If ever I've met someone who shines with, with faith, uh, with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit's presence in them, it was him. He really encouraged me and helped me to keep going through some really tough times. He quite simply radiated the presence of God. Living water was just pouring out of him as he overflowed with the Spirit. When I was there, I could barely meet anyone nearby of a certain age who hadn't got this man as part of their faith journey. And this man would so often humbly pray the words of Matthew 5.16. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we abide in him, as we surrender to him, as we obey him, as we continually reprioritize him open-handedly, we will bear fruit in our own lives 
and people will be able to see our good works as the Spirit moves in us, grows the fruit within us. People will see our good works and they'll be able to glorify our Father in heaven. Meaning we also bear fruit in the lives of others as more disciples are grown. We're called to this. And the only way we can achieve such a thing is to submit all our ways to him, to abide with him, and allow him to transform us so his fruit abounds in our lives so that others may see and then become fellow disciples themselves. True fruit that will last as God uses us to grow his family for all eternity. And this is uh, what we're going to be thinking about a little bit more uh, over the next couple of weeks as we move on to thinking about Jesus' call to us to go in the last part of that verse from Matthew 4.19. But for now, I'm just going to invite the band to come up. Uh, And as we're able, where we are, why don't we stand? As we respond, as we respond to this call to allow God to transform us, to make us fruitful. So maybe, as uh, you've been listening this morning, you've thought you'd really like to see that inner transformation. You'd love to see his fruit grow more in your life. You want to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control move in move into your life and grow in your life. You want to see God transform and redeem other malformed habits and practices and patterns in our lives. Transform them so we can be more like Jesus as this fruit of the Spirit grows and abounds in our life. Maybe this is what you'd really like to see more of this morning. Or maybe you're desperate to see God use you to be fruitful and grow disciples, more followers of him. Maybe you think, I'm growing in that. I'm not there yet, but I can see as I followed him, as Jesus has been working to transform me through his spirit, as I've seen more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as I've seen that more in my life through the Holy Spirit, I want others to see that in my life, and I want them to glorify our Father in heaven. I want them to come and follow him also. Maybe this is you. So the ministry team are going to come forward. They'll be on my left, at your right, at the front, and I'll be praying for you in pairs. They'd absolutely love to pray for you if you'd like prayer for one of these things. And the band uh, will play uh, as we continue to worship God during this time. But as as the band just uh, starts to play, shall shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you transform us. We thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and fills us. We thank you that as we abide with you, you abide with us. We thank you that it doesn't stop there. As we abide with each other, we become more like you. You share more of yourself with us. You grow that fruit in us. So here now this morning, we pray, Lord, let the fruit of the Spirit grow in our life. We want to be transformed, transformed as you redeem any other malformed habits and patterns in our lives. We want to be transformed to be more loving, to be more joyous, to be more peaceful, to be more patient, be kinder, to be, to be good 
to be faithful, to be gentle, and to see self-control move into our lives. Grow these things in our life, Lord. Grow your fruit in our life, Lord, we pray. And as you grow your fruit in our life, Lord, we pray you give us the encounters with the people that uh, will see this fruit in our lives and they'll glorify you. They'll come to you, Lord. We want you to use us to build your kingdom. So we pray for fruit in our own lives and we pray that people will see that and taste of that fruit and know that the Lord is good. Know that you are good. So Holy Spirit, come. Transform us here this morning, we pray. We want to be more like you. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.